Fast, efficient, and affordable business-grade hosting solutions, domain registration, SSL certificates, and more. We also monitor and provide website security and update services, website builds, email hosting, amongst other sensational products. If you have a question about your web page or your presence on the internet in general, no job is too big or too small. Visit our website today, or better yet, contact us at blueoceanwebhosting.com.au and leave your website issues to us. Big ones, little ones, fiddly ones, powerful ones. The ones for the car or the truck, caravan, boat, mobility scooter, solar system. In fact, for any kind of battery, go straight to Battery Central Ipswich. They'll even help you when you know what you need to power but have no idea what'll do the job. Battery Central Ipswich, 280 Brisbane Street, West Ipswich, in the Yellow Building. Expert advice, better batteries, best prices every day. That's Battery Central Ipswich. Welcome to episode 772 of the Aussie Tech Heads. I'm Jason Oakley and this is Will Tompkinson. Hey, Will. Good evening, sir. Is it really us? I can't answer that for you. That's something you have to figure out. Couple of slackers or what? Or what? It's been a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's been um, just hectic the last couple of weeks. You were sick the week before. Actually, we were both pretty crook the week before. Yep. Last week I had a business expo seminar thingy a sexpo cool no that would have been far more entertaining <laughs> than what I had to get to. at least there would have been a point to that yeah no really big to, one uh, or three <laughs> um yeah i went to oh, it, ipswich just trying to be all hip and cool and they were trying to host a small business expo which was basically to show off showcase small businesses and you know, um, I was going to say, was the expo small or was the expo for small businesses? As in the small well, business both. expo or a small business expo? A bit of both. Um, it wasn't great, and they just they, they just didn't had no idea how to run it because it's supposed to be open to the public, so the public can see what small businesses are around. Um, but at the same time, they wanted the vendors to have a look around to see what other small businesses are around. So, you've they had a they had it on a Thursday from like nine till four. Yep. So any member of the public who wanted to come and have a look would have been at work. <laughs> so almost nobody comes through the gates. Yep. And then they had it finished at well finished at five technically. And then they were supposed to have what they call an after five, which is when the businesses get together, sit down, have a couple of drinks, have a chat. So they decided that'd be the perfect time to host a sales pitch for um, an online checkout 
uh, what was it? Shopify, actually. I was trying to think of the name. All right. So I decided at five o'clock they're going to start their sales pitch for Shopify that went for two hours. Oh, God. Which, in that period of time, that was when we were supposed to walk around all the stalls and have a look and see who's doing what and where and everything. Networking. So not only did no members of the public turn up, no small businesses got to look at other small businesses because they're too busy hosting a sales pitch. So it's complete fail. So it was a complete fail. It was a waste of time, a waste of a lot of money. Um, and a day off for you where you could have been working. Yeah. Well, I had to shut the shop for a day because I can't be in two places at once despite my best efforts. Yeah. Um, so I had to shut the shop to be at the, set, at the expo. And not only that, I didn't get to see who else was at the expo because I was in the stall all day by myself, so I couldn't leave. I was relying on going and having a look later that night, which I couldn't do because everyone was stuck at this stupid sales thing that you couldn't <laughs> talk over because it was run through the PA for the whole premises. So, oh, God. It was just a schmozzle. I actually requested my money back from them. Yep. So I'll see how that goes. Yeah, good luck because you bloody deserve to get it back after that. I don't know my chances. I don't think I will, but at least so. Um, I'm not the only one, apparently. There was a lot of very unhappy people. Yep. So we'll see what that translates to, but did they get sponsorship from Spotify so they got a free two-hour? No, sort of. Spotify, I don't... Shopify. I don't the, God, sorry, shop, I said Spotify, shop, sorry. And I followed your lead. <laughs> um, Shopify didn't... I don't understand really what the point was because they're already all established businesses and they already all have their websites and their online shopping whatever they're using whether it's web shops or whether they don't have a web shop you know what I mean it's already all in place yep like and after somebody's been at standing at a stall for 8 or 10 hours they're really going to be impressed by a demonstration for the next 2 hours on how good a product is <laughs> the absolute last uh... thing you you're going to do is like even remotely listen to what's been said to you even though you couldn't talk over it because it was so loud but you're not going to pay any attention to it. You're just going to sit there, eat, and have a couple of drinks. And being a business, you would have already explored all of the online shopping things and know what's available, what you can afford, and whether you're going to go with Shopify or Equid or... Well, we ended up going with ECWID for several reasons. Um, price is one of them. Yep. But some of the things we could do with it, we couldn't do with... Like with Shopify, you've effectively got to host... On their servers. Basically host it on their own domain, on their domain, more or less. Yep. Um, among other things, and he's they started. And what really annoyed me was at the end of it, they were taking questions and stuff. And I said, So, I'm I said to him, I said, Look, I'm using EC Wid currently. I said, Because it does this, this, and this, and this, you've just finished spruiking for two hours how good your software is. Can you do any of that? Nope. Oh, next question. <laughs> I'm like, So, not only have you been annoying me with your crap for the last two hours, you don't even have the guts to admit that your software is not actually as good as you've just finished telling me it is. That, oh, by the way, nobody else asks any more questions. No, you wouldn't have to. They're not going <laughs> to answer the bloody thing. Anyone got a question? Yeah. Yep. No, we're not going to answer it. Well, yeah, no. it's like, so, I, yeah, not impressed. Not, nothing about it. And what really annoyed me was the initial layout that I approved when they sent through um, stall layouts and stuff. I was going to be um, down the end they had a lot of automotive they had uh, mobility scooters they had mechanics they had um, all your area a couple of solar guys a couple of off-grid guys like 
that general area. But, and I, their reasoning lacks logic completely. They ended up moving me down the other end and I was with real estate agents and healthcare people and <laughs> stuff like that. And I'm like, why? why? And I said, why did you move me? And they said, oh, because we couldn't fit any, we couldn't fit you in with the layout that we had. So hang on, I said, you had a hundred vendors. You still have a hundred vendors. Moving me from here to here doesn't change how many people you can hold in the facility. You still got a hundred vendors. Yep. Oh, but they just fit better. A hundred pissed what? off vendors now. What? So yeah, no, there's a lot of very unha- a lot of very un- unhappy people that hopefully will. Um, I spoke to a lot of people that said they were going to put a complaint, and I don't actually know whether or not that they followed through with that. But it's like, come on, guys, I get what you're trying to do, but if you don't know how to do it, ask people who do. Because I've, I've literally been to hundreds, and I've managed and hosted and run as well as being a vendor a customer and a consumer and helped set up well over a hundred of these events yeah you know i do actually know what i'm doing and and like when i you know there are other people out there's there's event coordinators who do this for a living yeah surely you could find one of those to actually tell you literally everything that you did wrong well then we would have to give them money <sighs> wouldn't want to do that i mean the, is it the would the point be to get you lot to have a great time and everything work well and so next year you'd be like yeah i'm down with that shit but now everyone's going to be like screw that i'm not going so they'll have two yeah. vendors next year and go well it looks like it's a failure we're not able to hold this kind of event in this area and it's like no that's that's not why it was a failure. But not only that, like I paid nearly five hundred dollars to have oh. a site. I also paid to have a gazebo on a table because I didn't have mine at the time, or they weren't ready. I did have some. I do have some on the way, but they're not done yet. Yep. So it was two hundred and eighty dollars or something if you had all that, and like four ninety five or something if you wanted all that supplied. Which is, I was happy to pay that. That was fine. But then when I got there, they wanted another $14 an hour to access their wireless internet. <laughs> did you tell them to go like, jump? Excuse me? I did. Yeah. I said, look, uh, so I... I see, see to, this is my wireless internet right here. I carry it with me every day in my pocket. Yeah. It doesn't well, cost me anything said, extra. I actually said that to... Because um, there was a couple... They didn't have that written anywhere. They just had internet available on site. They didn't say you had to pay for it because you've just paid them $500. Heaven mm. forbid they give you internet for free. <laughs> um, and a, a couple of the vendors around me, I just gave them my password for my phone and tethered off my phone. Yeah. I said, I'm, you know, I'm happy to let you guys do it. It's not like I don't have a problem. <laughs> it's not like I don't have enough data. You can look up your real estate stuff right here. <laughs> yeah. But I just like... I, I don't understand how... You know, and the, the probably the thing that annoys me the most is because this is done through the Ipswich um, uh, Department of Commerce, or whatever they call themselves. Yep. Um, it's run by volunteers and stuff, which is I don't have a Chamber of Commerce. They call themselves. That's right. Which I don't have a problem with it in that regard. But what annoyed me was they're like, "Oh, we're all small business owners. We know the struggle." I'm like, "Yeah, but." You're not, because you're all established business owners with multiple locations in multiple towns. You might technically be a small business owner, but you have forgotten what it's like to be a small business startup. Yeah. 
it's entirely different to being a successful business owner. They're, they're not even remotely the same. <sighs> like nothing that's been here tonight, everything, because they had shows up on the stage during the day for the public, I'm assuming, to go and watch, even though there wasn't anybody there. Yep. Um, and they're all on, you know, how to grow your business from, you know, from this to this. And, you know, when you've got more than five employees, you can do this. And it's like, yep. That's fine, but absolutely nothing at this business startup met meeting was for startups. No. It's just anyway, that was my grinds well, my keys. Well, the other problem with that it was effectively three days for me because we had to bump in on the Wednesday night because you weren't allowed to bump in until after five between five and nine Wednesday night. Yep. Then you had to be there at seven for a nine o'clock start Thursday morning. And then if you stayed till the after five, it means you left at like nine o'clock that night. So you're there for 14 hours. And then you had to bump out on Friday morning between seven and nine. Yeah. So, and you weren't allowed to bump in or out on the Thursday. So it became a three-day event. Yeah. And not like, worth it. <laughs> I don't have that time. Like, <laughs> It's okay if I had a couple of employees I could send them down there to do that. Yeah. But I can't afford four hours out of this day and four hours out of that day and 12 hours out of that day to go and do something that should take me 10 minutes he's saying my, my son's not old enough to do it himself yet well that was the other problem because i still got to figure out how in, in amongst all this i'm still trying to figure out how to get him take him to school and bring him home and because the school he goes to they don't have a bus service they're too small there's there's like yep 45 kids in the whole school yep um so there's no bus service and stuff. So I still had to work out how to actually get to the school. <laughs> so, yeah. so that was that's why I was just exhausted after that day. I'm like, no, I, I just can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Eddie so Wonder, we forgive you. Thousands wouldn't. We'll no, make it up like for I'm it. Complaining. I'm not. I'm grateful that they're they're even trying to do stuff like this. But they just really need just ask for help. It's not hard. If you don't know how to do something, ask somebody who does. All they had to do was put a thing up on their Facebook page and say, hey, suggestions, welcome. Yep. You know, I would have given them lots and lots of them. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did give them lots and lots of them in the end. Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, they won't learn. But, uh, but, yeah, so I've had that. And then we've actually finally got, well, I say we've finally got winter as I sit here with the fan beside me. <laughs> um, <laughs> we've, we've had... Um, We've had one and two degree mornings and we're still having like 28, 29 degree. Wow. How's <laughs> so. it going between like five and I think 17 at <laughs> the max? Yeah. So we've been getting, oh, we had fog today. It didn't, actually didn't start to get foggy until like eight o'clock. All right. And then it stayed foggy until like three. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like 20 six degrees or something yep <laughs> i don't know That's the weather's so screwed up, <laughs> so screwed up sadly i'm down to one solar battery now because lg chem's got a recall on because they might catch fire and stuff which probably is a good i mean in winter it could warm you for a short time but um <laughs> well, what say the heat's the most expensive part of the, the thing that's right yeah and it might let the smoke out too. So, I mean, I've got the Tesla two, uh, power, Tesla Powerwall 2 still going, but um, 
it's halved my battery capacity now so I guess I'm just going to be exporting quite a lot which you don't actually get that much for exporting anyway so especially now not with the was it today no the 20th it starts isn't it the new the regulator is taken over yeah. their first first their first job let's double the power that was literally the first thing they said. And they said, let's just make it twice as expensive because you still have to pay it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was confusing for um, Amber, who I'm through. They've got their smart shift where they monitor the price throughout the day. And when they expect a spike is coming, they switch over to your solar, uh, particularly if it's in the afternoons and evenings when you're not generating a lot then you would be taking it from the grid when everybody else is, so the price is going to be higher, and then they can switch it back mm. off again to go cheap overnight. But they said, look, we give up. We can't predict what's going to be happening from half hour or from hour to hour or anything anymore. And then the, um, what do they call them? The group that took takes over, manages it all, took over all of the um, energy providers, managed them, in Australia and said here's a ceiling of how much you can charge people and operate at a loss which they're not really doing because it's just a fast to get profit but um the regulator well, the, the power yeah. yeah the wholesalers well the wholesaler isn't losing but the retailers will be yeah so a lot of the retailers are in, oh we'll just shut down we're not going to do retail to um the public anymore maybe some businesses but if, if you're with us, go find somebody else. Bye-bye. Yeah, well, my my mob, um, who I can never remember what they're called, because it's a weird name. It's like Ethereal or something? Um, I'll have a quick look through. Um, yeah, uh, Elysium. Elysium. Yeah. That was a movie with Matt they're Damon. Elysium. E-L-Y-S-I-A-N. Uh, he was E-L... Y-S-I-U-M. Hmm. yeah. Um, they've basically, they've given their new, um, price list of stuff they've put out. And, um, they've basically laid it all out. Like our, they've said at your current usage with the solar rebate they've had to reduce and the power consumption going up, our bill's going to go up about $790 a year. Yikes. Yeah, a lot so, of people were saying, I just got a letter. They say we're going to double the mm, price you've been charged. Ours isn't quite going double because I've got, well, I've got so much solar going in. Yeah. Um, so I have, I literally, I can put in stupid amounts of solar during the day and run the entire house with the aircon and everything. So um, my daytime usage is always in the negative. Yep. Even when it's cloudy, I still manage to put in more than I take out. Um, That's pretty I've good. I've got... 16 kilowatts of solar so i've got plenty of solar yep um but it's the nighttime usage is is the problem like even my computer sitting here with the three screens and the you know the high graphics card and and everything else it's, it's close on like a thousand watts an hour it's yeah 850 watts or something an hour it draws so you got to think that's now going to cost me 55 cents an hour just to run my computer yeah you know whereas at the moment it costs me you know, well actually overnight at the moment, we're on a night split, so I think we're only paying 11 cents or something of a night. 
but they're ditching the day-night splits. It's just going to be a flat rate. It's going to be 55 cents. So oh. my computer's going to go from basically leaving on, let's say I leave it on overnight because I normally do. So from like four when you lose sun to like eight when you get sun, so it's at 14, 16 hours? Yep. No, 14 hours, yeah. So let's say it was going to cost... What's that? Ten dollar forty dollars. It's costing about dollar fifty a day to run my computer. It's now going to cost um, the what's that? Five, six, seven fifty. Yep. Roughly. Yep. <laughs> so it's going to go from costing me ten dollars a week to forty dollars a week to run my computer. Yep. Bit more. Forty dollars a week to run a computer. By itself, yeah. That's ridiculous. It is. I'm currently doing zero point seven kilowatts. Yeah, have you got the aircon on? Yes. Yeah. I don't think my daughter's one's on, but mine is. Yeah, mine. I haven't checked mine for a while, but last time I checked, my computer pulls. Well, probably not at the moment because I'm not recording, so I'm not not recording and streaming. Last time I checked, that I was doing that, so I was using more power. Yeah. So even if we cut that down to instead of eight hundred, we call it five hundred. It's still thirty percent, so it's still going to be, you know. What's that? Thirty odd, thirty-five bucks a week yeah. to run it. <coughs> My car, because I have the electric fan, it doesn't cost me that much to run that for the week. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it cost me fourteen dollars to run that for the week. Yeah. So. <laughs> My computer cost me twice as much to run as my car. Yeah. Oh, no. So you're going to have to start <laughs> shutting everything down. So, and at work, because we're on a commercial account, um, it's not that noticeable because we were on 28 cents or something anyway. Yep. Uh, and its commercial rates are only going to like 36. Yep. The only difference is you don't get the... You, we used to get nighttime tariffs between... I think it was between... Like nine of a night and three of a morning, you used to basically almost get it for free. It was only a couple of cents. Yeah. Um, I think the difference is they're dropping that now. So you're paying the same flat rate. So um, our power bill at work won't go up much, thankfully. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's going to be horrible at home. Yeah. And, I, and gas is going up too because we've got gas for our hot water and gas stove and everything. Oh, okay. And that's going from 100 and for a big, um, what are they, 90 kilo bottle? Um, they're going from uh, 110 or 120 to like 190 or something. Yikes. So they're going up as well. <laughs> yeah, I got the, um, because I've got Amber, they've just released a new beta. They've got a beta app, which I've been using, and it gives you a lot more information than the <laughs> standard app did. But Amber just sent me an email. Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> It's about the superhero mode that they're adding into the beta now. So what you can do if you want to help out the grid, switch on superhero mode and from midday to like 3 or 4 in the afternoon when there's tons of renewable energy in the grid, you can suck it all into your battery and then as long as you've got more than 33% left in your battery at about 6 or 7 at night, it'll shove it all back in there at a um, higher rate that... Um, you can feed in tariff so hopefully that could be a good thing to try out i don't know they're sending me another five dollar credit ah from a dmo from like oh shit it'd have to be three or four months since i've been with them yeah 
I got um, one for the next bill. I'm going to get $45.67, 4567 credit. And then um, there was another bill for, uh, I think it was last month, was like $45 or something for credit. Because they have, uh, if people don't know, it's they have insurance on the price for the electricity. And if the price goes up too high, they actually use the insurance to uh, credit you for the excess that you would normally be charged like everybody else. So it's not too bad. It's a little bit extra per month just for that, but it can turn out to be worth it if there's sudden hikes and stuff. I love the way they're blaming sanctions against Russia as a major exporter of coal, gas and oil as if we buy anything from them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, oh, uh, Russia, you can't, nobody can get it from Russia, so everybody's getting it from everywhere except for Russia, and therefore the prices go up everywhere else because everybody's buying from everywhere except for where they used to get it from. Major coal and gas shortages uh, have seen coal stations temporarily go offline. Why do we have a coal shortage? We have the largest coal deposits in the world. Yeah. <laughs> And they're just saying one of the uh, Australia's largest coal mine is shutting down because they tried to sell it and nobody would buy it. So I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, it's so stupid, the whole lot of it. It's bloody ridiculous, mate. They let morons run the country and they turn the country into a country full of morons. I mean, it's just... Yep. Follow the money. Anyway. I did... Um, Get a replacement fan for my daughter's room because she had a ceiling fan with one of the manual clicky click click things, and yeah. uh, it's had a it's makes a lot of noise when it was wobbling around, and right. it's had a cable dangling down the center of it with a socket for the light bulb dangling down and a Google a LiFX LiFX bulb in there and it's half burned cable and stuff. I think somebody must have had a bulb that went kablooey at some stage or I don't know what, but it looks frayed. And... Yeah, they're only rated to 60 watts. A lot of people used to put 100 bulbs in them to make uh, it brighter. Yeah. And that's what they used to do it. Uh-huh. So I found a, um, a Arlec uh, Smart Boston, Boston model, they right. call it, fan with a built-in uh, LED light that you can connect to uh, Google Assistant and or Alexa and just run the whole thing through an app. So he took the control off the wall and I've since Jip Rock paint, uh, filled that back in again so there's no hole there and she can control everything from the phone or just say Google turn on the fan or set the fan to this speed or turn the light on and stuff like that as she did before but it's a lot nicer and just works really well. Yeah, I've got the older version of that, the Arlec, where it's got the doesn't have the thing on the wall it's just got a remote that yep. you can take take with you and they're fine yeah it's got the a remote problem, too sorry yeah the biggest problem is you get a blackout you can tell when you've had a blackout because you come home and the lights on and the fans on that happens with the <laughs> LAFX ones too you can tell if there's been a brownout during the night because you wake up at 2am and the room is like broad daylight and you're like fuck's sake google turn the damn thing off it's too hard to put. It's too hard to put non-volatile memory in it so that it remembers its last state. That's right. I mean, it uploads all the connections to the internet anyway, so right. it could download that or just have a little bit of it. No, 
important is to have is a, a non you know a non-volatile memory with a zero or a one yeah it was either it. on or it was not. it's not like it needs a lot of memory to know this that's right yeah. she said uh, i don't know the time uh, or the date uh, or anything it just uh, needs to know what its last date was she said i was a bit spooked the other morning i woke up and the light was already on in the bedroom but i didn't turn it on <laughs> i was like oh maybe we had a brownout or something but we shouldn't have too much of that because i mean it depends on the speed that the battery kicks in i guess but if it's two o'clock in the morning and your battery's flat, it's not going to switch over too. Yeah. I have had, um, I've got the Gino, Genio, yep. whatever they are, My, uh, yeah. Mirabella, I think they are, oh, Genios. Yeah. I've got those ones and I wouldn't, I only got them because they're on sale. They're normally 30 bucks or something and... Drake's was getting rid of them at like 10 bucks a pop, so I thought, I'd, if nothing else, they're just handy to have lights. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they're garbage in terms of their reliability. Like, you can be in the room and um, you can just make a lot of noise and, like, drop something on the floor or you can bump the thing and it just turns off or it changes colours or it, oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's so bad in terms of its stability. Well, I tell um, you what, I, I rang up my uh, electrician... And I was like, are you install uh, fans? He's like, oh, yeah, no problem. Uh, what do you need? And I said, well, I already bought one from Bunnings. He's like, say that again. <laughs> I said, oh, I went down to Bunnings and I bought one so that you wouldn't have to. He's like, look, you shouldn't just go out buying them from Bunnings because problem is if I, I can install it, no problem. But if something goes faulty, I have to come back uninstall it then you take it to bunnings and then they repair or replace it then they bring you bring it back and then they don't send anybody out to repair it if something goes wrong yeah. and i was like oh well i did already buy this so he's like oh well i'll come have a look so he came around to install it and he's like oh okay it's an arlec they're actually a good brand he i don't know if he's got a deal because he's an electrician or he just has preferences or whatever but he said down just down the road here we got Setnage and yeah. I would get you a fan from Setnage and install it and if something gets goes wrong Setnage will send somebody around and they'll fix it for you so you don't have all this bit but he's like okay the Arlec is actually a good brand so you did all right there but um and the thing is the Arlec will last you know at least five years if not a bit more yep and yeah. for that price, you know, for the cup under bucks you pay for it, doesn't you know, after that time, whatever. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you can get the other fans that cost, you know, three or four times as much and still going to last five years. So, yeah. They just don't last. I was the same with, with shoes. I was always buying, like, the $40 ones from Kmart or whatever, and friends like, oh, if you buy, like, the $300 ones from Athlete's Foot or something, they'll last forever and they're fantastic. And so I did. And it lasted the same six months worth of time as the $40 yep. ones. And I was like, well, let's not do that again. Yeah, I had, um, I've always used um, red-backed boots. Yep. Like 100 bucks a pair. And I couldn't get them one year. So I got, I wasn't going to get Bloodstones because they were like three times the price. I think I got Max or something like what you would expect to be a reasonable brand. Yep. And, like, I get two to three years out of my Redbacks, and I got, like, six months oh. out of the Max. <laughs> and they were, like, twice the price. Yeah. 
<laughs> You're like, okay. nope, doesn't work <laughs> like that. Just because it costs more doesn't mean it's going to be better. Mm. <sighs> true. Do we do some news without half a show already? <laughs> well, that's okay because there's not much happening in the news. So, <laughs> <clears throat> Nearly a year after it took a 25% stake in broadband retailer more, the Commonwealth Bank is using NBN services as a sweetener to lure customers. CBA will offer pre-approved home loan customers three years of free NBN services, which it yeah. said in a statement could save eligible customers more than $2,700. Existing customers are offered 30% off more NBN plans for a year if they sign up using debit or credit cards to pay. CBA says its research showed one-third of customers expecting interest rate rises will be on the lookout for cheap utility and services office to offset higher mortgage payments. More co-founder Andrew Branson said the offer will mean also mean that customers can take possession of their property with the NBN already connected. As well as taking a stake in more, CBA last July bought 25% of Tangerine with a view using the brands to deliver personalised broadband through its ComBank app. Its foray into broadband retailing followed earlier investments in e-commerce startup Little Birdie, electricity retailer Amber, and others. So I thought that was interesting. CPA is is um, investing in Amber. No, it makes sense, I guess. Yeah. I don't know how they're offering free NBN, though. I mean, half the time the houses are built before the NBN even goes in. Yeah. And you don't know if or what kind it's going to get. It's got an NBN, not the NBN that you probably want. Yeah, yeah. You can have 2G. Yeah. Are you happy about it? <laughs> we call that NBN. That's it. So, speaking of internet, yes, let's go with that. After 27 years as Microsoft Windows web browser... Internet Explorer is no longer supported. Womp womp. Well, that was 26 years too long, but anyway. <laughs> we didn't want to support it, did we? <laughs> um, it doesn't mean the legacy Windows browser still isn't in use, and despite years of warnings, it seems that people aren't ready for a change. I don't know. Mostly governments, I'd imagine. Yep. It's been just over a year since Microsoft announced it would drop support for IE on June 15th. Uh, since then, has been persuading customers to move to Edge and use IE mode on Edge for legacy applications and websites that need it. <laughs> so many websites still need Internet Explorer. Mainly governments. <laughs> IE mode will be supported until at least 2029. Microsoft has tried to prepare customers for this event for years. In 2019, before it declared the end of the date, Microsoft execs declared IE 11 a compatibility solution that should not be used as a default browser. That's because Microsoft is well aware of how long it can take to wean users off a major version of a browser. The company retired IE6 in 2014, 14 years after the browser shipped with Windows XP, with a final patch for IE6 in January 2016, but it spent many years before that imploring businesses to ditch IE6 because of that data security design, mostly governments. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of the sites are still IE6 compatible. Yeah. IE7, 16. Actually, I know they are because I went to a site the other day with... Um, with Firefox and it said uh, it's an incompatible browser you may only use Index for a 6 <laughs> IE6 like it literally said that it uh, wouldn't support Chrome it wouldn't support anything else it was a government it was a admittedly it was an archive site but it was still a government website yeah 
<laughs> so just, always just get a uh, one of those plugins um, that changes the user agent to IE6. I tried that in Firefox. It didn't work. Oh. For, uh, like it physically loaded the page, but the page actually didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what they'd written it in. It's Microsoft's own fault. They probably was use Netscape Navigator. ActiveX technology. <laughs> well, it was probably it probably was ActiveX and Java, so it just refused to load the website. Yeah, yeah, because they don't have Java <laughs> plugins anymore, and yeah, like it loaded the, what the was, banner. What was oh, their flashlight product? The flash product, Silverlight or something, wasn't no, it? Silverlight's their version of yeah. Flash. Yeah, it probably runs on that, that too. Was, oh, that was around, man. It just took over the web and became the next biggest technology, Silverlight. Well, it did for a couple of years when everybody started using... Everybody went... Well, everybody was forced away from Netscape Navigator because Microsoft broke it, yep. so it wouldn't work. And they went to... what Not Visual Basic. What was Microsoft's attempt at a web, WYSIWYG? Web, um, web? Web Forms. Developer? Um, I can't remember what it's called. It was part of the Office Suite. But yeah, it, it would you could develop um Oh front Front page. Front page. Front page, yeah. Remember everyone ditched Netscape Navigator because when the you know, Microsoft broke it, so everyone went to front page for two or three years with these silver light banners and <laughs> uh, Yes. Bad, bad was, memories. I'm trying uh, to block it out, Mr. T. <laughs> no wonder I couldn't remember. <laughs> warm so, safe place, warm safe place. Yeah, I know, right? Um I6, uh, I, where are we? IE7 succeeded. I, that should have been superseded. Yep. Anyway, uh, in 2006, but so many companies continued using that in 2009. Microsoft created Friends Don't Let Friends Use IE6 campaign. <laughs> <laughs> or any <laughs> other Microsoft product if you can help it. Yeah. Due to criminal flaws affecting only IE6. Due to criminal flaws. That's supposed to be critical flaw. Well, who? What is? <laughs> Did you get that from the IT news site that I was telling no, you? No, this is from ZDNet. Oh, they're as bad now. <laughs> they're as bad as IT news. Um, in 2011, it launched an I-E-6 I, I countdown page <laughs> to observe usage drop to below 1% worldwide. In China, I-E-6 usage was still at 34% at the time. Still is now. Yeah. <laughs> in fact, things it's gone up. The usage <laughs> has gone up in China. Things are different now due to Google Chrome's dominance among desktop browsers, but an enterprise IT management firm, Landsweeper, noted recently, 46% of Windows 10 devices used by its enterprise customers will still be affected by IE11's June 15th retirement. <laughs> ah, dear, dear. <laughs> Mostly government, I would imagine. Yeah. Well, they said, seen... they said that um, if you launch IE anything now, it should automatically direct you to download Edge. It does, but it still lets you use it in the Explorer. Like, it, there's a don't don't ask me button or a whatever right. it is. But yeah, it deploys Microsoft Chromium, but Chromium-based Edge. Um, re effective releases of Windows 10 include the most current version, 2.1H2, as well as 2.1H1 and 2.0H2. Um, some geographies might be affected more by IE. Nikki, Nikkei, Nikki, Nikkei, Asia reports that 49% of enterprise, 49% of enterprise respondents surveyed in Japan uh, this March are still using in the Explorer 7. Over 20% of them didn't know how to move to other browsers. 
That's very sad. <laughs> Didn't uh, they used to be a leader in technology? Microsoft has now posted a blog in English, Japanese, and Korean to explain how to change. Please don't use our shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Windows 10 users will soon see a message which you can choose to accept or ignore. Sites that require Internet Explorer can be reloaded with IE mode in Edge. According to Microsoft, users need to select continue to see the site in Edge, which will automatically import favorites, passwords, histories, cookies, and etc. This migration to Edge will happen over the next few months. Um, after that, it will release an update. This is going to... Well, it probably won't because most people in a lot of those countries don't have legitimate copies anyway and have updates turned off. Mm-hmm. But Microsoft's going to re- release an update through Windows Update that will remove IE11. I don't know. You had a lot of trouble disabling updates and stopping them from coming down, didn't you? Maybe they can't either. Mm. No, but I had a legitimate copy. Yeah, but you still couldn't turn off updates even when you wanted to. Well, a lot of the a lot of the hack copies have them um, turned off by default. Yep. Just well, all the ones I've ever installed, um, they they've got the automatic updates turned off by default because you, they include the latest service packs and they include all the patches that don't mess with the security side of it. Yep. Um, and they just turn them off. Ah. So, um. So yeah. So that's going to be interesting. Um. Yeah, that's about the, the interesting stuff. But yeah, so it's uh, this is to ease users towards the 2029 end of life for IE mode. Edge asks every user 30 days to see if they still need IE mode for that website. But that's up to the website. That's not up to the user. <laughs> if a website, <laughs> they can't like just redesign the website to work in. <laughs> oh, man. It's a joke. Uh, so yeah so we learned two things from this one is that ZDNet can't spell or type or proofread yep um, and two that IE is as bad as everyone thinks it is otherwise Microsoft wouldn't be trying to get rid of it that's right <laughs> even <laughs> that's they know yeah that's what I learned <laughs> New South Wales Digital Minister Victor Dominello says Australia's planned yeah. digital on, birth he, the digital minister like is he like just only a He's like a vocaloid. (laughs) (laughs) New South Wales Digital Minister Victor Dominello said Australia's planned digital birth certificate is key to ensuring state and territory governments and businesses can verify digital identity credentials. The state government has spent the last two years looking for a solution to allow its prized digital driver's license to be accepted in greater number of places. Despite passing legislation to put the DDL which is digital driver's license on equal footing with traditional licenses more than 18 months ago, businesses still require the plastic card in situations like buying a phone, hiring a car, or taking it alone. After ditching an initial proposal for a copy solution to allow businesses to take copies of DDL, the government in late 2020 decided to work with the banks on a validation solution. Unlike the copy solution, the validation solution was to be capable of hiding unnecessary information depending on the identity requirements of the business. But as reported this week, the government is now looking to pilot a verifiable credential. It is also continuing to work with private sector providers like banks on digital solutions. While the nature of the credential was not known at the time, it now appears that the country's planned digital birth certificate and its underpinning platform holds the key. 
Dominello took to LinkedIn on Wednesday to spruik the digital birth certificate, which New South Wales is leading on behalf of births, deaths and marriages registries across Australia. Dominello said the project would enable a nationally recognised system for birth certificates and potentially other credentials from one state to be recognised in another. If we get this right, it could be a platform or framework for many other applications as a source of so much friction as people move or work between states and territories, he said. As an illustration, whilst the DDL has been downloaded by 73% of drivers in New South Wales, it's still not recognised by other states and territories and many organisations such as banks. This is why the digital birth certificate is such a big reform with national consequences. It's a criti- it is critical we get it right. As revealed last month, software firm ThoughtWorks has been selected to build out proof-of-concept digital birth certificate that is the result of more than 18 months' work. The solution is expected to become available to New South Wales residents in late 22, while other jurisdictions to gain access from next year. It's not much point in having a digital driver's licence or certificate if everywhere says, no, we don't accept that. I have a lot to say on that situation. Um, I'm not really going to because it's, it's not oh come really on that's what we come though, for but i will say that a couple of years ago um queensland spent a whole heap of money on digital uh driver's license mm-hmm. they went and got the smart cards that actually even my current driver's license is a smart card um and they put a whole heap of money into the back end and the development and actually had a fairly good system going and then realized cross-compatibility with other states because none of our states are regulated the same way. Uh, internationally, um, in the poll, like, they just realized that there was such a myriad of um, compatibility and, and as I say, like, even things like loans and phones and stuff that require information aren't set up for it. And after investing four or five years and I think the number off the top of my head was was over half a million uh, over 500 million approaching like a billion dollars yep they and had a lot of the stuff in, in place to do it they canned it <laughs> because the more problems they tried to solve the more problems they discovered yep and they went nah, look at this point let's just cut our losses and, and, and be done with it because it's basically because at the time Queensland was the only state doing it then like it's basically impossible for this to be a legitimate process yeah it makes it our life easy to issue people with a digital driver's license but that's the end of it nothing else from that process is easy yeah whether it's from the consumer's point of view whether it's from a third party point of view whether it's even like fraud is now going to be impossible to prove because how do you prove that you own a digital a digital copy of this data yeah. how do you prove that belongs to you if, if if the digital copy of this data you have says that you are the person who owns it then how do you prove that somebody else who has the same version of that data doesn't isn't you stick so it on the blockchain that fixes everything yeah clearly. <laughs> um and so that that basically was what it come down to they they decided that it that's the best decision they've made in in many many years um yeah, they threw some money at it, but they did. They discovered all these problems, and and that's that's some of them. That that article really only just touches on on the myriad of problems they they're going to have. Run, they're going to run into. Yeah, it has to be um, national or nothing for starters. 
it has to be international. It can't even be national because so much of the the by passports, for example, aren't equipped to set up for a digital ID for like a driver's license. Yeah. So there's this whole roll-on effect. Like you might go to another. Like there's a lot of countries where. Um, if you have a valid driver's license from another country, you can apply to get a, a, a local driver's license. You just need to basically show them you have a driver's license, answer 10 questions about the local road rules, and they'll give you a license. Well, the thing is, most of those countries aren't going to have access to the digital license. So if you have a digital license, you, you can't prove that you have one. A lot of them probably wouldn't even know about So you go, no, here's, here's, here's my license. It's on my phone. If you're like, yeah, yeah good one. Sorry, sir. Yeah. Exactly. And then here's the other thing. If businesses get to the point where they do accept digital, like it's technically illegal even to send or, or to request. So if you're applying for a loan, it's actually technically illegal for the bank or the loan officer to request um, identifiable information over email. It technically has to legally, and no, nobody, with a couple of exceptions, nobody really enforces this. You technically have to, if you, if they are required to see that form of identification, by rights, you're supposed to go to a JP, get a certified copy from a JP, put it into a secure, uh, a secure post pack, yep. and send it with secure via uh, Australia Post via secure, a secure postage. That's technically the only way that you can do it. Sending them a copy of your driver's license and bank card is actually technically illegal. And this is exactly why, because if somebody else has, especially these days with photos and photocopiers and imagery being as good as it is, if somebody in a phone store gets a hold of your driver's license, they chuck on their photocopier, they scan the front, scan the back, and then chuck it on your file, yeah. there's absolutely nothing stopping them from turning that into a physical copy of, of your driver's license. Yeah. Once you've got the driver's license, you can get, bills in your name once you get bills in your Credit name you, you become that person yep. so i i'm i'm as much as i love technology there are certain things that i don't approve of and and, and this is one of them for many reasons but compatibility is the biggest problem it's just pr not practical look look at the schmozzle that the government had trying to handle qr codes yeah <laughs> and you think they're going to handle actual real information well my dad's phone is too old it doesn't know what a qr code is hmm. yeah well that's that's not a bad thing either it was yeah. so funny there was one point there where i got jack of everybody asked me to sign which i never signed it anyway but i got sick and tired of people asking me to do it so i went and bought a 29 dollar candy bar phone yep that doesn't have a camera or anything on it. <laughs> sorry can't and, do it and that and that you got to walk in somewhere they go you need to sign in you're like so how do I sign in? They're like, oh, you need to scan your phone. So I'd get my phone, I'd walk up to it and go, beep, there you go. <laughs> oh, no, you need and I'd show them my phone, they'd go, what oh, is that? Uh, uh, okay. What are they going like, to do? Give a kid under 30 a candy bar phone and you watch the confusion come across their face. <laughs> It's, it's got buttons and, and a little nubbly and LCD screen. And, and no camera. And, <laughs> what do you do with this thing? <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I had so much fun. <laughs> so, yeah. So, basically, I, I if you're one of those people who 
wants this digital stuff to go ahead, don't hold your breath. It, it's certainly not going to happen. It's a good idea, but it's not going to happen overnight. In theory. Here's the other problem too. It's like the whole, it's like the whole MyGov thing. Yeah. All right. Well, you've got your Medicare, you've got um, your tax stuff, you've Child got your stuff, you've got all, yeah, all that through one portal. Which doesn't work. Well, that's fine, but my portal hasn't worked since the day they set it up. I can't access any of that. I can't, I can't even order a new Medicare card because you have to do that through the portal, which I can't access. <laughs> so, like, I, I, don't, I physically cannot access my portal. Nobody can fix it. They can't reset it because you can only reset it from within inside the portal, which I can't access. Jeez. So I can't access, like, my accountants has to do my tax and I have to assume they're doing the right thing because I don't have access to my tax. I don't have access to my Medicare stuff. I don't have access to any of the old settling information I need. I don't have access. To, and then they want Family to put, benefits. Um, yeah, which I don't. I mean, we don't have any of that stuff anyway, but I don't have access to any of that. Um, and then they wanted to put, um, like, my medical records and stuff when I go my to the health. doctor. Like, yeah. And when I go to the doctor, I'm like, can you send me a copy? They're like, I'll be on your mic. I said, no, send me a copy. Yeah. So the government, I don't care if they have it or not, but I can't access it. I want you to send me a copy. Oh, we're not allowed to send it to you. It's a security risk. <laughs> I said, but it's not a security risk for you to stick it on a public server, but it's a security risk for me to have a copy in my personal email. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I said, well, tell you what, how about you print it out in your public printer and you place it in the vanilla folder that's behind you with all my details in it. Next time I come in, I'll pick it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay, we can do that. Because <laughs> uh, that's not a public... Uh, the, the data risk. Super like, secure. What? <laughs> <sighs> anyway, people don't think. Um, speaking of secure, mm -hmm. Firefox. Oh. Again, end of conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, starting today, Firefox is rolling out total cookie protection. Yay! Hey, They're going to protect all my cookies. I'm never going to burn them again in the oven. Is that right? <laughs> the cookie monster no longer attacks. Uh, starting today, Firefox is rolling out total cookie protection by default to all Firefox users worldwide, just in case you're a Firefox user who's not in the world. Oh. Making Firefox the most private and secure major browser available across Windows, Mac, and Linux. Total cookie protection is Firefox's strongest privacy protection to date, confining cookies to the site where they were created, thus preventing tracking companies from using these cookies to track your browsing from site to site. Whether it's applying for a student loan, seeking treatment advice through health site, browsing online, <laughs> browsing an online dating app, massive amounts of... <laughs> okay, so tracking cookies only has limited effect there because it's usually the website that gets hacked rather than yeah. the cookies, so I wouldn't worry too much about that. <laughs> Massive amounts of your personal information is online and this data is leaking all over the web. Yeah. Great. Clean up in R5. <laughs> and 6 and 7. <laughs> this hyper-specific to you ad, so you often see online, are made possible by cookies that are used to track your behavior across site and build extremely sophisticated profile of who you are. Recent stories, including the excellent... Uh, last week, tonight episode, whatever, have shown how robust yet under the radar the data selling economy is and how easy it is for anybody to buy your data combine it with more data about you and use it for a very variety of purposes it's alarm it's an alarming reality the possibility that every move online has been watched tracked and shared 
uh, and one that's antith antithetical. Antithetical. Hey. Antithetical. Antithetical. That's not a word. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a word, but it's not a word. word. <laughs> um, and one, uh, to the to the open web, we have. Uh, we at Mozilla have strived to build. That's why we developed Total Cookie Protection to help keep you safe online. Uh, it offers strong protection against tracking without affecting your browsing history. It works by creating a separate cookie jar for each website you visit. Instead of allowing trackers to link up your behavior on multiple sites, they just get to see behavior on individual sites. And any time a website or third-party content embedded in a website deposits a cookie in your browser, the cookie is confined to the cookie jar assigned only to that website. No other websites can reach into the cookie jar that don't belong to them and find out what is on the other website's cookies to find out what the other website's cookies know about you, giving you freedom from invasive ads and reducing the amount of information companies gather about you. Um, well, I want to so, know who took the cookie from the cook cookie jar. Well, you'll never be able to find out. Oh. <laughs> um, it doesn't say specifically how it works. I'd be curious to know if it's like web site specific or if it's domain specific or you know because i know how it works in that regard yeah um because like if an owner owns you know um bluebuilder.com and also owns obsidianloft.com if it's the same owner on the same server do they share cookies or is it like specifically locked to that you know what i mean yeah should be locked to the domain curious. i would think mm. But if, if this comes out and we're protected from the cookies, can we please go back to court and say, can we not have to put pop-ups and little notices and clickable things to say, this site uses cookies to track stuff and save your data because everybody has it on all the sites. And by the time you click on, yes, no, I don't accept the cookies. Yes, I do. No, I don't want to subscribe to your newsletter. No, I don't want to join your webs. And then I'm like, I just don't want to look at this website anymore. It'll be one less thing off all the millions of websites don't have to say this site's got cookies because they all do. It's everywhere. So it's not like any one site you go to is like, oh, shit, this one's got cookies. I won't go here. They all do. And we yeah. don't need to have pop-ups saying, by the way, but EU made it law, so everything has to have it. Because EU knows what's going on. Nope. <laughs> um, yeah, look, I... Don't think. And here's the kicker to that. I think if every browser incorporated this, then yes. The problem is when you've got people like Microsoft and Google who rely solely, well, not solely, primarily rely on advertising as their revenue, they're never going to implement this system. No. So, I mean, Brave's done something similar, from what I understand. Um, has the option i don't know if it's by default but it certainly has the option to delete the cookies once you leave the website yep um so it's sort of similar the upside to the, the problem with that is if you go to something like ebay and you've got stuff in your cart and then you leave it deletes everything in your cart so when you go back you've got to sign back in you've got to re-authenticate yeah. you got to yeah. say, whereas this system would be good for stuff like that because you go to your amazon or your ebay or whatever you put stuff in your cart or you put stuff that you're watching and then when you go back there, it's still there. So yeah, I saw Facebook some people on um, <laughs> no, I saw some people on Reddit were saying you can get uh, really good plugins for your browsers that are selective 
cookie deletion so it deletes it from everything except for the sites you specify so if yeah. you go to like ebay and it says do you want to delete cookies when you exit this then you say no and the next time you go there your ebay cookies are still there but if you go to like reddit or slash dot and you don't want to save the cookies then when you leave that site or close the tab it'll delete all of those cookies because you weren't logged in anyway and you don't really care yeah uh, that's clunky it is but um, it's the best we've got so I mean, far <laughs> yeah I, I i get that but and the thing is though most people who yeah, this is kind of the, the problem though the people who are aware of cookies and what they do aren't the people that have this problem anyway it's the joe blow the mum and dad the grandmas the you know the eu who don't understand how the world actually functions yeah. on the internet the the ones who go oh no this is installing malware because it's tracking me and it's going to come and hunt me in the middle of the night and shoot me in the head you know that that that's that's sort of the problem here like this is great for for firefox to do this i absolutely think it's fantastic but once again the average mum and dad consumer don't use firefox no they use chrome because it's all over the place or they use ie because it's all over the place they're not going to use opera which has a similar feature they're not going to use brave they're not going to use firefox and chrome and ie are the ones that aren't going well edge and can't call it ie anymore disappeared. <laughs> but they're they're the ones who aren't going to implement this and yes they technically do have plugins that make this sort of thing work that's the target audience who's not going to use those plugins. Yeah. So, and the thing is, you're still dealing with Facebook at the other end of it. So, when you have a phone conversation with somebody and you mention anchovies, for the next three months, you get ads about anchovies on Facebook. Oh, thanks. That's all I'm going to get now. <laughs> yeah, I know. You want to be anchovies on Facebook now. <laughs> you know what scared me? The other day, yesterday, I thought I should buy some... Listerine mouthwash. Didn't say it to anybody or anything. Guess what I got an ad for today that I haven't had in the last six months. Yeah. Well, it says it's, it knew it was time, see? They've been tracking your, your history and they know. I think part, part of the, this problem is that the browsers enabled the ability to have cross-site cookies. Yeah. If they'd left it, they must have had... You know, advertising companies throwing millions at them saying, you need to enable this so we can track people everywhere. Because it's not like Facebook can come up with a technology to embed into the browser to force it to use cross-site cookies. Cookies were invented. You log into Google.com and it remembers you next time you come back. You don't have to type in username, password. Then the browsers say, "Hey, what if we? There are people like, hey, if we give you some money, maybe I can use that Google cookie on Facebook and link them, and they can see where you've been and what you've been doing. And then you go to Amazon, and it says, oh, I remember you're talking to your friend on Facebook about Listerine, so you probably want to yeah. buy. Here's the latest products from Listerine and competing pro And it was all made by the web browser companies. They're the they're at fault, but." I can only guess the reason they enabled cross-site cookies is because people said, here, if we give you lots of money and you do this, then you can be happy and we can be happy and screw over the person at the other end. You know when this kind of all really started was... Flash? Um, Foursquare. Foursquare. Where 
everywhere you went, you check in, checked in. Yeah, that really was the start of this whole. I mean, there was bits and pieces in place, but Foursquare really was the amalgamation of all this different processes and put them in one, putting them in one spot. Who ended up buying that? Somebody must have bought that because it's still um, it's still a lot up. of technology it's, um, and stuff. AB InBev partners with Foursquare to help expand internationally. Their website still exists. It's just not, it's not what it used to be anymore, but they're uh, introducing nearby places. There's still a location matching service. Leading location technology platform. So they took all that stuff, that all that data that we gave them years ago. Yep. And ran with it. <laughs> <laughs> I thought somebody like uh, Facebook or someone should have bought them by now. I thought Facebook tried back in the day, but they didn't want to be part of them. But that's sort of where, you know, like Facebook check-ins have run that, or continued with that to some degree, but it was really Foursquare. From my memory anyway, that was the sort of the start of that, the amalgamation of location and because you'd check in and then you'd say what you were doing there and then... Your friends would say, oh, they've been there and they've done this. So that was kind of that amalgamation. Yeah, like, oh, that person stuff. likes Subway because they go there three times a week and mm. they send Subway ads. And then it didn't take long for, like, Twitter and, and Facebook and um, my, well, even actually would have been MySpace back then to tag onto that that sort of location sharing and that thing. Oh, this person just checked in here. You know, and they did this, and to tell us about your experience, you know, like... Yeah. <clears throat> so Here's some other of, things you might like that are similar to that. Yeah, and that kind of started the whole amalgamation of, of data. Um, so it's really, like, it's our own fault in some regards, because... <laughs> they gamified it is what got it. So remember, yeah, I'd be uh, sit, sitting on the train yeah. going from Sydney City out to Parramatta and tried to quickly check in as I went past train stations so I could be listed on that one. And then after that, they did that um, Foursquare Swarm. Swarm, yeah, that's it. They did Swarm. Once they did that, then everyone was checking it everywhere. Uh, And then they did Pokemon Go, which was very, very similar. You basically had to check into a location. That would tell you if there was something there. (laughs) And that started with the... um, What did they have before? That Ghosts or whatever it was. I used to play... um, there's a game that was made by Google's Niantic. Yeah, it was uh, two sides, like red team and blue team or whatever. And Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I played that for a while. And that was the same sort of thing. When you check into an area, it was whose team was strong. Ingress. In that area and Ingress, that's it. Yeah, Ingress. And yep. then what else did they have? Field Trip was their first one, apparently. Then Ingress. That was more of a... The field trip was more like a, um, what do they call it, geotagging, like a... Um, yeah, and they tell you what's at locations and stuff. Of, like a geo-hunting sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Then uh, field trip, then Ingress and Ingress Prime, end game Proving Ground, Pokemon Go, now they've got Harry Potter Wizards Unite, Catan World Ooh. Explorers, Transformers Heavy Metal, Pikmin Bloom, and Peridot. All of those... Tracking everywhere and sharing your yeah, data. Yeah, man, man, used to wonder why my battery used to last like four hours. Yeah, 
constant GPS updates, constant sound. Then you get to be that guy who buys 99 phones and puts it in a little trolley and carries it down the main street so that everyone thinks there's a traffic jam there and it fills Google. <laughs> that was, well, remember when still Waze doing first it. came out? Yeah, well, remember when Waze first came out, they always confirmed, like, Google would go, hey, there's an accident here, and Waze would go, hey, Google said there's an accident here, but can the users confirm this? Like, yep. they they didn't automatically put up a thing saying there's definitely a thing. They'd go, oh, we just need the users to confirm that for us. Yep. And then Google bought Waze. Than, <laughs> yeah. There was some magic number. It was like if they had more than um, 100 hits in 60 seconds or something, that was confirmation of, of that being a problem. Yeah. So, but yeah, so... It's all fun and games. <laughs> <laughs> Do you dream of using the GNOME shell on your smartphone? Well, the reality is much closer than you think. Of course, if you're familiar with the Linux phone development, you should have heard of and maybe even tried FOSH by now, P-H-O-S-H. This is a mobile UE loosely associated with GNOME project, but spearheaded by Purism with design by Tobias Bernard. It uses core GTK technologies and comes with the UI inspired by GNOME shell, but not using Mutter. Now work on making uh, the real deal, GNOME Shell and Mutter work on mobile is picking up pace. A new grant from the German Ministry of Education is GNOME developer Jonas Dressler details in a new blog post allowing GNOME developers to manifest their mobile ambitions a touch faster. In his overview of work to date, Dressler shares a couple of rather impressive real-world demos plus concept art. He also gives a brief glimpse into the newer mobile-friendly GNOME shell running on an actual Linux smartphone, namely the PinePhone Pro. While funding secured to further iterate on and expand mobile support in GNOME shell, many of these concepts are leaping from pixels to production code. Still, it's a journey, as Dressler explains. We're not expecting to complete every aspect of making GNOME shell a daily drivable phone shell as part of this grant project. That would be a much larger effort because it would mean tackling things like calls on the lock screen, pin code unlock, emergency calls, flashlight, quick toggle and other small quality of life features. But he adds the basics of navigating the shell, launching apps, searching, using the on-screen keyboard, etc. are doable in the context of this project, at least as a, a prototype stage. So there you go. If you want to try out GNOME shell on your phone, get a Pine phone. Give it a go. Well, the Pine Phone is uh, was released middle of last year. Um, it's supposed to be really secure, it runs, isn't it? It runs Plasma Mobile OS, UB Sport, UB Ports, Sailfish OS, and others. Uh, it's got a quad core processor, three gigs of RAM. Does have a bootable Microsoft, Microsoft has a bootable micro SD card to help you with installation. Has thirty two gig EMMC storage. The 1440 by 720 IPS screen. Um, then there's the Fairphone, uh, which is has a better camera, slightly higher spec. The Librem 5 uh, smartphone focuses heavily on user privacy while featuring open source operating system, Pure OS. It's not based on Android. Uh, 3 gig of RAM, quad core, Cortex A53. Uh, Pro 1X, which is supports Ubuntu Linux Touch. The Pro 1X is a flip-up phone with a keyboard. Oh, right. Um, 
It has Snapdragon 863 processor, 6 gig of RAM, AMOLED full HD screen. Uh, then there's the Vola. 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 Runs Ubuntu Touch. Comes with pre-built, pre-built uh, VPN. Octa-core MediaTek processor. 4700 million hour battery. So, yes, there's a few options. Hmm. Um, actually, just looking at the Pine phone, just curious to see how much it costs. Uh, Pine phone... Let's see. Expected restock June 2022. $149. Okay. That sounds all right. That's not bad for what it is. Um, OS Majango with Plasma Mobile. It's an all-winner A64 processor, 64-bit quad-core, 1.2 gig ARM, Cortex-A53. Uh, yeah, gentlemen, camera. I mean, it's only a five meg camera, so there's nothing special there, but it's got 4G, yep. um, wireless LAN, Wi Fi, Bluetooth, GPS, USB Type C, all your normal sensors, 3,000 milliamp battery. So, you know, for that price, it's not a bad little unit. Yeah. So, so yeah, so I was actually, I'm actually curious about this Pro 1X. With the flip-out keyboard, it looks like a pretty cool bit of gear, actually. Yep. Um, just trying to see. Uh, it's pre-ordered. Uh, shipping in July 2022. Oh, there you go. Uh, Android lineage or Ubuntu Touch. Has a flip-out QWERTY keyboard, which is actually actually quite big. That can you can thumb type on it. Nice. Um, it's a six-inch AMOLED with curved edges. Physical keyboard layout, five-row, 64 key staggered, backlit landscape keyboard with mechanism sliding. Layout's QWERTY. Uh, six gig of RAM, eight gig of DDR4 storage, 128 gig expandable via micro SD, up to two terabytes, eight meg front fixed, 12 meg rear. Does 4K 30 frames a second video. Qualcomm oh. Snapdragon 3200 milliamp battery, all your normal connection stuff. Looks Dual SIM. Kind of bit like the um, hip top phone style landscape with a slide oh, okay. out keyboard. Um, the 256 gig, 68 gig of RAM. Oh, give me the price. Show me the money. Show me the money. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Pro 1X smartphone. Oh, they've had, um, it's a Indiegogo and they've had 2 million pledged. 899 US. So it's a relatively expensive one compared to the other one being 150, but still, I mean, to me, it would be the closest, although the Pine phone comes with, uh, oh, you can get a case and a keyboard for the Pine phone. Oh, okay. For 50 bucks. It's a hard case that mounts it, and it's a flip-up, and the keyboard's on the flip. Yep. Um, and it's actually 50 bucks. So I was going to say the other one's a replacement for the like BlackBerry crowd. Yeah. But um, I think this one would do it too. It's a, it's a 
locker laptop keyboards are pretty decent sized keyboard. The Pro One X is pre-installed with either Lineage, Ubuntu Touch, or Android. Oh, and this keyboard has, huh? So as well as the phone, the four amp hour battery on the phone, the keyboard has a six amp hour battery built into it as well. Ah. And when you dock the phone, it charges the phone from the <laughs> from the keyboard. dock. Nice. That's cool. <laughs> so for 200 bucks you get yourself a portable workstation basically yeah hackers are gonna love that <laughs> or tech people when the boss is like can you just ssh into the server and restart the apache oh yeah yeah like literally like they're gonna absolutely love it like it, it's not only are you running Linux in your pocket on your phone, but you've got to flip out keyboards so you haven't got to try and touch type. That's really <laughs> cool. I want one now. I don't know, I don't <laughs> Same know right. I just want one. Just want one because <laughs> you can. Be... <laughs> uh, speaking of phones. Yep. Uh, open source Thunderbird is coming to Ooh, Android. Nice. So Thunderbird, the open source email, uh, m- application? Application. email application, is coming to Android thanks to the K9 Mail Android email app which is joining Thunderbird to become the official Thunderboy... Thunderboid. <laughs> that's, Thunderboid. The, that's the Boston one, the Thunderboid. <laughs> well, I'm not tired. You are. <laughs> I'm saying it right. You're just hearing it wrong. <laughs> um, the Thunderbird Android email app. <laughs> I nearly did it again. Two years ago, Mozilla Foundation moved Thunderbird to its subsidiary, MZLA Technologies Corporation, in a similar ownership structure to Firefox under the foundation's subsidiary, subsidiary Mozilla Corporation. The new, the new subsidiary, really, three times, <laughs> allowed the Thunderbird project to pilot its own path with new features like open PGP, end-to-end encryption, and a long-awaited mobile app. According to the Thunderbird team, talks between Thunderbird product manager Ryan Lee Sips and K9's lead maintenance Christian Kettler over a possible collaboration for Thunderbird email app started in 2018. Fast forward to 22, and two have decided the best path forward is for K9 to simply join Thunderbird rather than Thunderbird building its own app. Many Thunderbird users have asked for Thunderbird experience on mobile, which we intend to provide by helping make K9 amazing and turning into Thunderbird on Android. K9 will supplement the Thunderbird experience and enhance it where our users are able to have great email experience. Our commitment to desktop Thunderbird is unchanged. Most of our teams committed to making a best-in-class email client and we remain that way. This means K9 will take on Thunderbird name and branding, but K9 Mail will need to be aligned with Thunderbird's feature set and visual appearance. To accomplish that, we've devoted finances, development time to continually improve K9 Mail. We'll be adding brand new features and introducing quality of life enhancements. K9 isn't a hugely popular email app on Google Play, but it's had 5 million downloads from the Play Store. The roadmap for K9 Mail is currently includes creating accounts set up using Thunderbird account, auto configuration, improved folder management, support for message filters, and syncing between desktop and mobile. While Thunderbird acknowledges there's been demand for Thunderbird on iOS, the project only stays says in an FAQ that's currently evaluating that option. <laughs> Probably because of their restrictions on what you can and can't access and whatever. Yep. The team says it remains commitment committed to desktop Thunderbird and the canine will be bought in line with Thunderbird from feature perspective and syncing between the two will be seamless that's basically what I've been um, 
waiting for because, uh, like, I use a. I'm trying to think of the program. I can't think what it's called. I do use a, um, some email program on Android, but it's it's horrible. It's I got like three mind. of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. If you've ever used like Squirrel Mail on the C panel backend, that's what this thing reminds me of. Oh, right. It's just so bad. Like even to forward like an email, I've got to like go into the email. I've got to save the email as a draft, then go into the draft and then add the email address I want to forward it to <laughs> from there and send it. Like it's <laughs> just like, come on. I've so, got um, nine, which is. A really good one. Also, Blue Mail is another good one for Android. I used to use Blue Mail, but then it, I had to do weird things and I couldn't figure it out. Um, I don't know if it's just my phone. Try nine. At the moment, at the moment, honestly, I'm just using the default Android email client. Does everything. Um, I mean, it doesn't sync properly. Like the reason I want to use Thunderbird is because at work we use Thunderbird, so all our um, our tasks and our notifications and our um, calendars and all that go through Thunderbird. Oh, yeah. And you, you can't sync that with anything. So, and then I've also got like nine email, nine, twelve email addresses that <laughs> I monitor. <laughs> um, and even though technically they're linked to the same account. There's a huge, like if I do something on the desktop, there's a massive lag before it appears anywhere on the phone, even though they're both technically connected to the same server at the same time. Yeah. Whereas if it was syncing like with Thunderbird, it would just be instantaneous. You wouldn't have that lag time. You wouldn't need to try and remember if you actually deleted that email or responded to it. Or Yeah. Because <laughs> um, that's the other thing too. Like if I respond to an email at work, I can't see the sent emails oh, on my weird. phone so i can't remember exactly what i've sent so i but if they were synced i wouldn't have that problem yeah yeah oh because it yeah because sometimes like an email might come into say for example it might come into uh info at battery central switch but it's more of a personal one so i'll reply to it but i'll send it as will at battery central switch and on the thunderbird it tells me that i've replied to that email and then it lets me know where i replied to yep. but when i go to my phone and look for it it's not doesn't follow the thread because i've sent it from a different email address it goes to oh, the, out, gets the sent folder of that one so i need to <laughs> be able to remember where i sent it from for, to, to find the email yeah <laughs> So, admittedly, I might make some things difficult on myself, but yeah. if it all synced together, and I don't understand, given that Thunderbird is open source and has been forever, yep. why is it taking so long to get onto Android? <laughs> it's like GIMP. Yeah. Somebody just hurry up and put GIMP on Android. Because there's bugger all decent. We will have free uh, uh, Photoshop soon, so no problem, right? Oh, yeah, because that's not going to annoy all these people who just spent thousands of dollars buying Photoshop. Offering it for free, that's not going to upset anybody. No. That's like Microsoft goes, hey, all those people are using 365, don't worry about it, it's free now. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Uh... So, but so many people have skipped, have jumped ship on, I think that's part of the reason they're doing it, because they've lost so much 
business on Photoshop. So many pe- people are going to GIMP now. Yeah. Um, even like corporations, like I know a lot of. Um, I was watching a YouTuber the other day, and they he works in a graphic design studio um, for a major, a big American firm, and they've got. I think you said something like 3,000 employees or something. So they had like a massive user license for Photoshop. Yeah. And it was just getting stupid expensive. So they, the entire, everybody moved across to GIMP. No problem then. <laughs> so they, they lost like not only the subscription to Photoshop, but they don't need Lightroom anymore because GIMP's got that built in. So like these four or five Photoshop programs that they were paying for, yeah, they They're just not. moved everyone across to GIMP and went, hey, you've got a couple of weeks to learn it. So knock yourself out and... You know, they like, cost however much per head by thirty thousand. You know, like 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 all the big movie companies moving to stuff like HitFilm and that because it's much more affordable. HitFilm and DaVinci Resolve and all these other programs. Yep, they're either well, they're free for personal use, not free for commercial use. Unless commercial pricing so cheap, and they're so much faster. Yep, um, and the community supports better, and the plugin supports better, and you know, it's just. No corporate overhead. These these big companies that had dominance, like it happened in when um, Apple shot himself in the foot with their um, movie, you know, being the world leader in video editing and graphic editing at the time. They shot himself in the foot with uh, I think it was the iMac or the early one of the early um, yeah. Power Macs or whatever it was, and basically like. Um, all the CGI departments in the world overnight, and all the recording studios basically moved across to to PCs overnight. Yeah, cost themselves hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars because of this one thing they changed. And they're never going back either. And yeah, they didn't. <laughs> you know? so. Thanks for listening to the Aussie Tech Head Show. We can be found at Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Email us, Will or Warlock, at aussietechheads.com.au. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.